listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Just like that, third and final hour of Miller and Moulton along the network. The Diamond District bonus hour awaits at the top of the hour for our loyal audience in the 239. Chris Nyland, former tough guy in the NHL. NHL's at their all-star break. We're going to catch up for those of you who, you know, haven't been playing close attention. Already had a major trade overnight in the NHL, and the trade deadline's five weeks away. But it's always NFL season. Who the heck's going to take this commander's gig? Scott Jackson is part of the Commander's Radio Network. Does afternoons, 94.1 ESPN. You can follow Scott on Twix, Twitter slash X, at Jackson Sports. Jackson Sports. Scott's David and Mark, once again, thanks for your time. Who the hell's going to take the gig? That's a really good question. We know this. It's not Ben Johnson. Um, And I guess Mike McDonald also was another person that they might have been pivoting to. and, And obviously he went to Seattle, Washington, and not Washington, Washington. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting because uh, I think a lot of us thought this had, this had a lot of appeal to it. Of course, uh, part of the search, you know, once they fired Ron Rivera some 24 days ago, started with the general manager first. And, you know, when you really look back and think about it, you know, it's probably one of these jobs that was more appealing to a GM, right? you got a lot of cap space. you got a second overall pick. It's kind of a blank canvas, brand-new owner. Those kind of things. And maybe, you know, with some of these head coaches, they, they look at it a little bit differently, especially a guy like Ben Johnson, who just literally was, you know, you know, so close to getting to the Super Bowl. When he looks at it, he's maybe not as excited because he doesn't maybe even know anything about the quarterbacks in this draft or much about Sam Howell if, if he was, you know, really sold on him and he'd have to dive into all that. And it's a lot different from a team that is, you know, appears to be ready made to at least contend again in the NFC. And, you know, there's going to probably be five to eight more of these jobs. It's pretty much been the pattern out here as well with, with maybe one of those five-day jobs and maybe two or three that have you know, more of a ready-made situation for uh, championship success. Who's left on the list? I mean, obviously, we know the two guys who didn't take the job. Who are the candidates right now most likely to get the job in your estimation, Scott? Well, I, I think that certainly just uh, among the people they've spoken to, okay, we know that Dan Quinn, uh, for the Cowboys uh, defense coordinator, former uh, Falcons coach, you also have to figure with Quinn, there's probably a really good file for general manager Adam Peters, of course, spent many years in San Francisco with the Niners and Kyle Shanahan. Of course, Kyle Shanahan uh, did his really great best work with Dan Quinn before becoming the 49ers coach when he was the OC down there. So I'm sure they got a pretty good file when they see Dan Quinn in the division uh, as well in the, in the NFC East and what he's done with the Cowboys defense over these last several years. Uh, you know, look, last game withstanding, you know, he's been excellent. He's been probably the best coordinator in the league. Uh, prior to that last football game the Cowboys played. Um, and then you go down to, you know, some kind of unknowns, frankly. Anthony Weaver's a really interesting candidate from the Ravens. He's, the, he's not the defensive coordinator. He's a defensive line coach. Uh, everything you see and hear about Anthony Weaver is, you know, leader, leader, leader. Uh, and, you know, what, what, what is Dan Quinn? I mean, is Dan Quinn, yeah, he was a tight end. He was an offensive guy. He was never a coordinator. I mean, he's a leader, right? Like, he's one of these guys that is a leader. I think the same way. Even though John Harbaugh was you know, cut his teeth as a special teams coordinator under Andy Reid, like he's a leader to me. You know, I don't, I don't really put John Harbaugh on one position group, and I think that's how they kind of see Anthony Weaver. Then you have Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. Who, uh, if anybody watched Hard Knocks, you could see why people would be, uh, you know, interested in him. And, and really, you know, probably maxed out that defense that, that had some talent and some injury issues uh, this year to get them as far as they got. And then, then it's just the, you know, after that, it's like, okay, <clears throat> what's left? 
out of the market, then maybe we haven't investigated enough. And everybody's asking about Mike Grable, and I get it. I mean, to me, he's the best guy available not named Bill Belichick, and I don't think Belichick makes sense for a lot of reasons here. I mean, when you're talking about you know how important the front office structure is, and that's not doesn't need to be something Bill's interested in working with, at least not these guys. So I think um, you know I think Brable's very interesting. Now, what I what I do wonder about Brable is number one, you know, wh- why did things fall out in Tennessee? It seemed like there was a power struggle with the GM. Well, where's the GM come from? Well, he comes from San Francisco. Uh, <laughs> where's our GM come from here in Washington? He comes from San Francisco. So he, so he might have the file already done there, right? He might already know. He might have also he might have already also reached out to intermediaries. Who knows? Or his agent to find out that he's not really that interested in Washington either. He might be willing to sit and wait. So that that's what it really boils down to. You know, I think one of these three guys, uh, Rabel, or you know, maybe wait it out a little longer. I mean, what's the difference? Nobody else is on the market right now. Uh, you know, maybe take another week and, and see if there's there's somebody else you overlook here. Pete Carroll. I, I mean. It's just difficult for me, you know, for as much as Anthony Weaver comes off as being impressive and what have you. I mean, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Mike Vrabel are on the market. And if you're going to plan B, I don't know how one of those three can't be plan B. I mean, come on, Scott, you've hired people for for a living. Okay, you've, you know, sought out certain jobs. We all know how this works. I mean, you know. They're they're better than the other guys. Well, but that's the, the problem is there's they're things they're going to want. And if you're if you're Adam Peters, who you just got this job, your your job, you have a vision as to how you want to run a front office and how you want to run an organization. And these guys come in and say, "No, I'm going to have roster control. I want to have, you know, uh, you know, I want to have the final say in the draft." And especially guy like Bill Belichick. And let's be honest, he, all the Hall of Fame rings guys ain't going to the Hall of Fame someday. No. I mean, all the Super Bowl rings. He's not going to the Hall of Fame for his personnel work. I mean, <laughs> he ran that thing into the ground with, with his personnel work. So I don't want him anywhere near uh, the draft picks right now at this point in his, in his career. I'm sorry. And, you know, Vrabel as well, I mean, I, I don't know if that's the thing that's held him back. But as successful as we see as good of a coach he's been, the fact that no one has hired him. I mean, it wasn't just Washington out here on the search by themselves. I, I think it might be telling as to what's going on in these meetings. And, again, it's easy to armchair quarterback and stuff from the outside without really knowing what everybody's asking for or looking for. But I just look at structure. I look at relationships because that's how the NFL works, as you guys know. Uh, he knows Rand Carthan, who was just with this guy, who, you know, they, they separated and parted ways. And I know they said all the right things about one another, but uh, that, that's probably not the truth. So I think that's why we're not here at Grable right now. doesn't mean he might not just pop up back in this thing. It's certainly what the fans would like to see. I think if nothing else, you got to you have to explain that at the end of this process if you don't go that direction. Scott, how long is this rebuild, if you will, process? How long? What's this roster like? How long do you think before this team can contend for winning a division? Yeah, uh, you know this division, as you guys know, it's it's like it's really their turn. It's either them or the Giants next year, or the Eagles because the Cowboys won it this year. It's, it's how the division, the, the pattern has worked. I, you know, look, it's hard to say it's close if you don't know who your quarterback is. You know, it's really hard to sell anybody on that. And I, I'm not, I'm not sold on Sam Howell. Uh, I don't think his career is over by any means. I think he's probably on the roster next year. I just don't, I don't think he's your definite, uh, definitive number one, number one. You're picking number two overall. Uh, that's, you know, that's why you really need to know who the OC is here before you can really kind of figure out connecting the dots, which quarterback they like and those kind of things. But, Anyway, there's there's more talent here. They got they got less out of more over these over this last several years with Rob Rivera and his staff. I think the staff really got stale here. Um, you know, they tried to jump start a little bit with the enemy this year, and it, it didn't work. 
Um, for a variety of reasons, first and foremost, they just gave Sam Howell the starting job without you know making him compete. And then you saw at the end of the season a little bit of Jacoby Brissett, like, oh, okay, this this offense actually can function uh, if you had a quarterback in there who wasn't you know seeing ghosts. And uh, you know, that, that, yeah, probably is probably why Eric the enemy is sitting there waiting and saying, hey, you know, <laughs> I'm here if you guys need me as he's still under contract and that's going to work every day. Uh, so I, I think it really just depends. But, yeah, I think there's more talent here than not. But, again, it's going to take the right leader, a really good offseason of free agency and draft. Because they do have their own free agents to deal with here, too, including Cam Curl, who's uh, you know, a really important part of their secondary. And um, the other the other one is, of course, uh, Kendall Fuller, that's a, that's a free agent this offseason. they got to look at, you know, figure out what to do there. But, you know, they gave away both of their ends for draft capital, and, and so they have to start up there on the front. I mean, they still have Allen and Payne. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Adam Peters looks at this as a situation to move one of those guys and get even some more draft capital because they'll probably have value out there in the open market. Hey, uh, what's the scoop with the enemy? I mean, you know, this has been an interesting five years. You know, OC in Kansas City, is he calling the plays? Is he not? Looks like he is some of the time. Looks like he isn't others. He got no credit for all their success. He goes to Washington. He didn't have a good offensive line or good quarterback play. But, you know, the the rub on the enemy is, is that, quite frankly, is just difficult. Is, is that what the player said to you, or is the enemy getting a bad rap? Well, I think there, I mean, I think it's well documented here that some of the players did think he was a little, not even like a bad guy, but just, you know, hey, look, it's my way. We're going to do it this way or else. It's different. Um, I watched him at training camp because obviously once training camp, as you guys know, ends, you see nothing. And I liked what I saw and heard. I mean, he's definitely engaged. He doesn't let them cut corners. It was a, it was definitely a different sounding practice than we've ever had here in multiple years. I could see maybe where it grades on some of the uh, veteran players. I think some of them sounded off as, as the season ended is about it as well. But I, I do think it worked. Uh, the offense worked at times this year pretty well. My biggest gripe with Eric the enemy this year was there was no there was no complimentary football between him and the offense. There was no complimentary football between the offense and the defense, right? And this is where Rob Rivera, the head coach, blew it. Uh, he kind of allowed him to do whatever he wanted. His his first instinct is like Andy Reid. He wants to throw, 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 throw. But you can see with Andy Reid now, as time's moved on this season, he's, he's leaned into Pacheco a lot more because he just doesn't have the, the group that he's had in the past. We certainly never had that group here, even though they have good receivers. You mentioned the offensive line. Uh, they had real protection problems. The two games against the Giants were embarrassing. How they, you know, Wink Martindale just exposed them over and over and over again. I, I would say he's stubborn uh, at times with, with what he wants to do, and I think that's the thing that uh, hurts you. But I think there's also some real good stuff uh, out here as well. But I think the bigger frustrating part for many of us was um, just how you know they ignored some of the best players in this team in stretches in, in games and uh, in game planning, you know, Brian Robinson, the running back and you know, Terry McLaurin, it took too long for him to get involved in a lot of games. And that, that was the frustrating part. Clearly Hal was regressing as the year went on and, you know, as the head coach and, or excuse me, the office coordinator, that's something he's got to wear. So I think that's a bigger thing. And look, they interviewed him, you know, they said all the right things. I don't anticipate he's a real candidate here, even though they're down to, uh, you know, just very few options, maybe you, you could say, but, I do think there might be a path here if you look at the, just read the tea leaves as to who's left on the board as far as candidates. They're all defensive guys uh, that he could potentially, you know, still be here as the OC. But I think whoever the head coach is really needs to get with him and say, hey, we got to play this way. You know, our, you know, especially if your defense is struggling, you can't be dropping back every time uh, you're on offense and, and not giving them a chance to breathe and, and also give your quarterback a chance to compete. So I, I think that was the thing that really jumped out to me more than anything. 
All right. and who knows why all these other things passed him by over the years. I, I couldn't speak to that. Scott Jackson, part of the Commanders Radio Network, also Afternoon Drive, 94.1 ESPN. Follow Scott on Twix, Twitter slash X at Jackson Sports, Jackson Sports. Uh, hey, best of luck. All the best to you and the family, Scott. Thanks so much for your time once again, and we'll talk before the draft. Awesome, guys. Thanks. Always good talking to you. Scott Jackson, kind enough to join us once again here on Miller & Moulton. It's our poll question. Mike McDonald chose Seattle. He had the Washington job if he wanted it. He chose Seattle. If you had the choice between the Seahawks or the Commanders, which job would you choose? It's our poll question. David picking Washington. I pick Seattle. And we'll switch gears here in 25 minutes and talk some hockey with Chris Nyland. <laughs> yeah. As long as he doesn't hit us first. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Chris Nyland to talk all things NHL in a little more than 15 minutes time. It's the All-Star break. The All-Star game's in Toronto. All-Star game sucks. I mean, they got some skills stuff the night before, which is actually pretty cool. Fastest skate, hardest shot, things like that. That that's not bad, you know. But the is, game is is baseball the best all star game? Yes, by far. Right. It's the only. It's the one only that's game. A game. But even then, they took the meaning out of it. By, Doesn't matter. There shouldn't have been meaning. It's the best product. But I, I just. It's the only game, Trent. And even then, who who cares? Fifty percent of the fan base in the MLB. Who watches? No, they still watch some all-star game. The all-star game still draws a number. Doesn't the derby get more or no? Yes, but the baseball all-star game does around 7 million, and that's the lowest it's ever drawn. But I think the last year or two, the first digit was a seven in terms of how many million people watched. Baseball won't have another game that draws 7 million until sometime in the playoffs and it may not even be to the league championship series. I mean, so that's that's why, you know, that sucker ain't going away. But the NBA and NHL All-Star games have been dreadful for decades. I know the NBA this year is going back old school, if you will. East, West. Okay, no players picking teams and picking their friends and no final five minutes is different scoring. No. East, West, go. I'll tell you what, the first year of the aggregate scoring in the NBA, that was shortly after Kobe had passed away, that was a great all-star game. I mean, they were playing all out. I thought it was a sustainable model. I was very wrong. It quickly became a, a clown show, and now they're grasping at straws, switching the format up every two, three years. It's a shame. This is something, by the way, I don't know if the league needs. Because also, isn't the All-Star game on TNT? Yes. I mean, it, it draws like under $3 million. I mean, it, it it's to the point now, first off, the best dunkers don't compete in the dunk competition. Now, this year, what's drawing the most buzz in the NBA is Ionescu from the New York Liberty, who's a tremendous player and a great shooter. Okay, she and Steph are going to compete against one another in a three-point shooting contest. And that's drawing some buzz. But otherwise, I mean, these guys just want to go to Vegas. 
for four days. Let them go. Speaking of which, I mean, we've really come a long way. And we haven't really talked because we've got the, the game to talk about. The fact the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. Oh, my goodness. Where Tony Romo was going to hold a fantasy football summit or was Ten going to be a ago. speaker at Ten a fantasy football summit. Right. And the league yep. was ready to throw him out of football for doing so. Correct. Ten years ago. Ten years ago, Romo wanted a fantasy football summit, and then he was going to be a big part of it. And like Mark said, he was going to speak, and he wanted, uh-huh, right. And the league basically said, you do it, and you're out of the league. Out of the league, and now the league is having their premier, the premier sporting event in the world on an annual basis. I know the World Cup's bigger, but the Super Bowl by numbers draws every year as, as many fans as anything that's done. And you know what? I think it's maybe the best place you could possibly have it. And tickets are astronomical. The secondary market for tickets is through the roof already. It's a smaller stadium. That's not a 80, 90,000 seat stadium. That's, I believe, in the high 60s. Yeah, but David, they could have a watch party at the Sphere. Come on. Well, no. I mean, think of the watch parties you can have in Vegas. I mean, you talk about cities where, well, you know, hey, I couldn't get tickets, but I had an amazing time. David, I went to the, I went to Vegas for a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl wasn't in Vegas when I went. Which one was it? It wasn't. Uh, Carolina, and the Patriots, or was it Carolina Denver? Carolina Denver. Oh, okay. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Great week. Saw so UFC title. Was UFC was supposed to be a UFC title fight. The title fighter backed out for whatever reason was injured. But saw a UFC fight, an I ACDC vaguely, concert, yeah, and then wow, watched the game in a private room. I at watched a casino. that Super Bowl at a church. So there's the dichotomy between. Oh, it's pretty similar. Where you can I, watch the Super Bowl. Right here's at, the in, irony. There was more gambling at the church than in Vegas. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Uh, so Mark six years, by the way, after Romo wasn't allowed to have anything to do with fantasy football in Vegas, there was a team in Vegas, right? An NFL team in Vegas, right? And now there's the Super Bowl in Vegas. And most people believe, by the way, this is going to be part of the rotation. SoFi LA Vegas. Okay, this will be two of the, whatever they decide on, four or five cities that are basically like the British Open or Open Championship rotation. That Vegas and SoFi and LA, they're going to be two of the whatever. And then the five, six other cities are going to, every 10 years, raise their hand and go, hey, can we can we get it again, please? I've got no problem with them being part of the rotation. Well, and clearly the NFL doesn't. I mean, do you? Do you think there's a a better place to have a Super Bowl than Las Vegas? Well, once you have one, I mean, you might as well have 32. The only thing that I am very curious about is that the NFL is on a run here of Western, West Coast, Pacific time zone Super Bowls. And I don't know if that means anything to anybody, okay, in terms of being able to go Uh, I do know it's a big deal with the media because we all like to go. But, Mark, because it's in Vegas this year, for as sparsely attended 
the Los Angeles and Phoenix media days, radio rows, and what have you were. There's never been more media credentialed. There's never been more stations on Radio Row next week as there will be at this year's Super Bowl. And why do we think that is? Gee, I wonder. Mm-hmm. Do you think maybe because it's in Las Vegas? Mark, I, I think you make a dadgum good point. Miller and Moulton, however, will not be in Las Vegas for Super Bowl no, week. No, we will not. And even, no. here's the bad thing, even if there were a way for us to get there, doing mornings three hours earlier, Radio Rose, not, it, from a personal standpoint, for Miller and Moulton, this sucks. I'll tell you what, though, how the heck are you at 3.01 a.m. local time? I mean, that's, that's We would have been able, I guarantee you this much, by Friday, you wouldn't have been doing it alone. You think so? I think, I think we'd have had, Friday... no, no, no. I think security guards, I think we'd have made, because we'd be there early. We've been to a number of these. We've always made friends with people who work every day. We've always been pretty good about the, the because we're the rank and file of right. seeing the guy that's grinding every day, showing up to work, and by the day or two or three, hey, how you doing? And getting a response back from that guy. I think we would have had a chorus doing how the heck are you by the end of the week. Really? Because I think there's a chance that one of the other morning shows would have beaten me up and thrown me in an alley by Friday. That There's that chance. Both are still a possibility, David. You know, the poor guys in Charlotte are about ready. Hey, welcome to Smith & Wesson. Okay, and then all of a sudden they hear, Ah, the heck are you? In the background. Ah, oh, that's that fat, loudmouth guy in Florida again. Sorry. Sorry. I think we would have had a chorus by the end of the week. I'm I'm convinced right. of it. I'm with Mark. David, you got to give yourself some credit. I think people would love it. All right. Three, 3.01 a.m. local time. Just remember, 3.01 a.m. local time. The only good thing, see, it's not like a hotel lobby. People haven't even gone to bed yet. We would get a crowd. We'd have hundreds doing it with us if we were in a hotel lobby. Well, the All good right. news is in five years when the Super Bowl's back in Vegas, we can find out. I'll tell you what. We're go if it's back in Vegas. We're if we're still doing this, we're going. Okay. We need another radio row. We need one more. Well, three years. If I don't if I don't blow the gig in three years, ABC gets the Super Bowl. It's in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is in Vegas. No, no, I I know that. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 22 minutes before the top of the hour. We want to talk some pucks on this day. We reached out to Chris Nyland. He goes by Knuckles. He's host of the Raw Knuckles podcast. Follow him on Twix, Twitter slash X, at KnucklesNyland30. KnucklesNyland, N-I-L-A-N 30. Chris, it's David and Mark. Good morning. Thanks for your time. How are you? How are you guys doing? All right. Uh, pretty good. It's actually pretty warm up here in Montreal. Uh, not quite as cold as it normally is. Uh, right around 30 degrees, which is kind of balmy for this time right. of year up here. So, yeah, things are good. So you have to keep the clubs put away for a little bit longer, Chris. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yep. Before we get into this year, I'm just curious. Who was the toughest guy you ever played against? Yeah, I mean, you know, and I answer this the same way every time. The guys who do that job are all tough. 
There's no, I, I, I never classify guys. This guy's tougher than that guy. This guy's, uh, you know, I knew if a guy was a lefty or righty, but I, I classified them all the same. Guys who do that, I, I think it's the toughest job in sports, guys who, especially back in the day, guys who had to go out there and, and drop their gloves every night. Uh, a lot of pressure. Uh, it's difficult to do. And, um, you know, some guys um, have no problem doing it. Other guys have a huge problem with it. Do you ever get? Did you ever get fooled? I worked in Atlanta for their IHL team. We had a kid, Jeff Buchanan, really tough, but he was a lefty. And when he got called up, every once in a while, you didn't know you were fighting. You said fighting a righty or a lefty. Did you ever get fooled by a rookie or a guy upcoming? When- no, no, I never got fooled. Uh, you know, I, I, and and listen, if if all of a sudden I I was fighting a lefty who started throwing lights, I'd make adjustments during the fight, and I could because uh, I was a pretty good technical fighter. So, yeah, no, I never got fooled. When you watch the game today, I made the comment earlier in the show that the lack of hitting in the regular season is beginning to affect my enjoyment of watching regular season hockey. That, you know, the playoffs, we all know. It's a totally different game. But, I mean, Chris, yeah. I've seen stat lines where both teams will play a game and there's less than 10 hits for both teams. I mean, I'm curious, when you watch the game, do you go, man, you guys are great, but could you hit somebody? Yeah, you know, um, it's so wide open now. Uh, they spread the ice out with no red line. Uh, there's a lot of speed, which the NHL was looking for, but you don't get as much contact. Um, and I think, and, and I, I think, just say you put the red line back in. I know a lot of people just, oh, no way. These kids are so talented today um, and passing the puck in tight areas and handling the puck in tight areas that um, I, I'd love to see guys come up the ice together as a group and pass their way through. The NHL is so worried about the dead puck error, neutral zone trap, and all that. And listen, there's ways to defend when the red line is in that that you can smother teams. But, but you also create situations where you're able to get a forecheck going, a better forecheck than you do now. A lot of times now, you get guys that cheat off the the, the line easy because they know that. Long pass is coming. It's going to get chipped in the zone. And D-man cheats back there, comes up with the puck. And before those players can get up the ice and forecheck, they get the, the defending team has the puck and they're coming the other way. So you can take a lot of that away by, you know, cheating back in that long pass. We see it every game. Guys post up real high. Uh, D-man steps out. You know, fires at the length, you know, three quarters of the length of the ice, and then the guy chips it in, and they try and get a four check going. That's difficult. That uh, that's something that I think has to certainly, uh, you know, if if it did change, I think it would help that part of the game somewhat. But you know, and as far as you know, no hitting. There's there's really no. Uh, you know, rivalries anymore. You know, I, I look at the Montreal-Boston rivalry, which is unbelievable, and, and it's great years. But we don't see anymore. And those get created by playoff hockey. There's so many teams that, you know, 
you know, anybody can beat anybody in a given night. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a bit watered down, to be honest. And, yeah, playoff hockey still is awesome because, you know, it's for all the marbles. Guys, guys really get ready to play, and the game's played the way it should be played. You did allude to it before, but there has never been more speed in this game than there is right now. And when you look at the the McDavid's and the McKinnons and the way they're playing, it, it just if you could add a touch of hitting, I don't know if because the game's never been faster, but has the game been better? Yeah, I think the game's been better overall. Uh, I, you know, like it depends what people want to see. I mean, look, I look back in the A's and the game, you know, you know. It's, Still a fast game. Um, I, I I just wonder right now if you put that red line in, if you you know you have you, you can't go way up the ice and you can't gain all sorts of speed to try and get in there and and if you're fortunate enough to get in there and run someone through the glass, like now you got to you know you got to pass the puck in tight areas and make your way up the ice as a group. You can't get way up the ice. You can't, you know, step out and make that long pass. And and it's funny. None of these guys, none of them have ever played with a red line in the game, right? None of them. Uh, they've always grown up without a red line. And I, I really think that has a, a lot to do with it. You know, the, we talk about the speed. You take the red line out. Man, guys can, they don't have to wait up you know, for the, the rest of their team before they cross the red line, you know? So it's, it's you know, I know they don't want to do it. The league doesn't want to do it because um, they want speed. And, you know, at times you get violent collisions. You do uh, uh, in the game. But it, it's not a consistently physical game during the, during the season, no question about it. He's Chris Nyland. He goes by Knuckles. A winger with the Canadians, Bruins, and Rangers won the Cup with the Canadians in 86. He's host of the Raw Knuckles podcast. Follow him on X at Knuckles Nylon, N-I-L-A-N 30. Knuckles Nylon 30. All right. Who you buying? Who you not believing in? Vancouver, what? Most points in the West. They go out and they get Lindholm from Calgary overnight. That's a second or third line center. Uh, you know, a year ago at this time, they were a train wreck. Now they could be the best team in the West. Are you buying the Canucks? I am. You know, I, I really, I like what they've done there. And they go on and get Lindholm for uh, Pedersen. You know, Pedersen, he, he, he's quite a player. He, you know, talent, he can score. He, you know, there's times he hibernates. But, you know, any um, player that, Superstar players, the guys in the upper echelon of the league, uh, at times are going to have difficulty scoring. And I think this win home deal is going to help him out somewhat and help this team out. I'm buying the, the Canucks. You know, I, I like uh, Rick Tockett as a coach. Uh, I think he's, he's he's got a good blend of dealing with you know the the nouveau NHL player, if you will, uh, the players of today. And a blend of um, old school, you know. He's got a he's got that. I think a really good mix of that. He got a good handle on how to communicate with guys, and uh, he's he's still got has a firm hand, which I like. You know, I think you need that today. And um, you know, he's 
this team is, I mean, Rutherford's has a history of, um, you know, um, you know, getting teams yep. that can be a consistent winner in the NHL on a nightly basis. And that's, that's not easy with the salary in the salary cap or juggling, you know, players, signing players and having good enough bottom six forwards to be able to compete and also a good enough back end. Well, speaking of bottom six forwards, that's where, you know, the Lightning, who have been such a good team now for a decade and in, in running, it seems every year they've lost a McDonough or, or the, another player or another player at the bottom six. Do the Lightning have enough? They've won eight of their last ten. They still have a Vasilevsky, which uh, leads me to believe they can make a playoff run. Are you buying the Lightning right now? Um, I hate to say this because I love John Cooper. Uh, but I think right now, as a coach, he is getting every last drop out of this team that he can. Um, are they, are they, you know, when those dynasty teams or those teams that are really good, they start to get long in the tooth. It gets more difficult. It's like Pittsburgh. You know, they're super, the guys are, they're, they're, their core is, is, is near the end, you know. And, yeah, they're still going to go out and get their points here and there. But, that, comp- that that compete level, that mental side of the game, um, that when you're young and hungry and you haven't won that thing yet, or you've won one and you want to win that second one, man, you, you got to have that. And I think to some extent that is ship has sailed in, in Tampa. But uh, you still never know. Could they win a round or two? I don't know if they have what it takes to, to uh, be standing at the end. Uh, Vasilevsky, by the way, just overwhelmingly won the player poll that was done by the Athletic, in which, you know, most overrated, underrated, best goalie, this, that, the other thing. 44% of the players who responded said Vasilevsky was the best goalie in the league. All right, Panthers following up the playoff run, second best record in the East. We buying them? I'm buying them. I, I, I buy them as a playoff team. Man, I, I just love the way this team played. They play the game the way it's meant to be. You know, they got that edge. They're cocky. They're, they're, and, of course, they take on the, the personality of the captain. And, and I just think that's awesome. They have a, a seasoned head coach, been around forever. And, and you know, this is just a really good playoff hockey team. Sam Bennett, nasty out there. You better have your head up uh, when Sam Bennett's on the ice. I, I just love the way they play. Um, and, yeah, I'm buying them. Now, again, we can Vancouver, whatever team, when the playoffs come around, man, it gets so difficult. Just beware of that first round, you know. They, they took everybody's surprise yeah, last year, you know. And, and certainly um, they earned – there's no question earned what they they got last year as far as wins in the playoffs and what they did. But that team's built for the playoffs, and I, I, I really like that hockey team, the Panthers. Chris, thanks so much for making time for us. Uh, an early birthday wish from us when you celebrate your yeah. birthday next week. And uh, hopefully we can talk again by the end of the regular season. I'm jealous. I wish I was in Bonita Springs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tee it up the next time you're here, Chris. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Chris Nyland goes by Knuckles, his podcast, the Raw Knuckles podcast. 
Follow Chris on Twix, Twitter slash X, Knuckles Nylon, N-I-L-A-N 30. Knuckles Nylon 30. He was uh, a prominent player on the uh, 86 Canadians at uh, Patrick Waugh's rookie year when uh, Montreal came out of nowhere and, uh, you know, ended up winning the whole thing. Calgary took out Edmonton and then Montreal took out Calgary and uh, danced with Lord Stanley. His name is on the cup. Yes, it is. That's all that really matters in that sport. Nine seasons where he had over 200 penalty minutes. I think he had five of over 300 penalty minutes. Great answer on the tough guy, by the way, that they're all tough, that doing that job. And I'm surprised because I, I, you know, not getting fooled ever in your career is paying a lot of attention. Being able to switch righty to lefty when there was that many tough guys in the league, not easy to do. And he was one of the toughest of all time to play. Awesome start to the interview. I mean, you want to talk about setting the tone? He just came in hot talking about, no, I never got fooled. Are you kidding me? Well, that way he said, uh, all of a sudden I find out the guy's lefty. I was a good enough tactician I could change. <laughs> it's awesome. Different game. He played a different game. Yes, he did. Uh, I wish every team had a Chris Nyland nowadays. There's like three of them left in the league. I think Wilson of the Caps is like the last Chris Nyland. I really do. And he's had to tone it down because nobody will fight him. But I I think Tom Wilson's like the last Chris Nyland in the league. Sometimes they call him sandpaper guys. He's breakfast, nails for breakfast. That's Chris Nyland. I mean, sandpaper guy would be an insult to him. Look at our uh, association guy over here. Getting all gritty on us. He just won me over. I'm watching hockey. I'm watching nothing but hockey for the rest of the week. <laughs> of course, it's the All-Star break. There is no hockey right. to watch. <laughs> There's not a damn thing to watch until Monday. I, mean, that is I don't know. I watch know some college hockey. hockey. Big Ten, uh, you know. Hey, Sparty's pretty good. For the first time in forever. Miller and Moulton. <laughs> Along the network. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow in the 239. It's the bonus hour time brought to you by Jason and Todd at the Diamond District. That's next on Miller and Moulton.